Welcome back to an all-new installment of the Super Metal Brothers right here on the Odd Podcast. I'm Super Metal Brother Matt. And I'm Super Metal Brother Dan. We're doing the news and we're doing a retrospective album this week, Danny. Retro. What are we going to be talking about for the listeners out there? I yeah. guess before we even talk about the album, we have to talk about what we're doing this week. What are we doing this week, Matt? We are evading another state. That's right. We are getting out of Radelaide and we're heading to Sydney. Now, why would people in this current climate want to even go to a, a plane to go into state? Well, I'm telling you right now, Symphony X. Yes. We are leaving our comforts of home and our waterlogged socks because it won't stop raining here and the rivers won't succeed. And we're going to Sydney to see the greatest band currently around, I think. No, 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 no. I actually agree. It's just going to be an absolutely amazing time. But in order to set up how great this band is, and for people who are still undecided about going, we're going to talk about one of their, if not best albums ever written, not only by themselves as a band, but probably by any progressive metal out there, Danny. We've tempted them a bit, teased them a bit, but I guess we shall get on to our normal run-of-the-mill stuff. Finishing it off for the, the three, we're doing our latest podcast question about Metal Hammer's top bands of the 21st century, being 15 years of it, not even a quarter of the way through, Danny, and they're still claiming we've got the best of the best yet. Yeah, saying they have certain rules, stipulations, but they're getting the best albums from top 100 albums from the last 15 years. And yeah, You're going to want to hear yeah. what Super Metal Dan's going to say about it, and you might tolerate what Super Metal Brother Matt says about it. I'd imagine. But stick tuned for that, man. That should be a very tempting and teasing and annoying and frustrating and a joyous occasion. Depends what bands you like. As one incredibly special person from Top Gear who then got fired from hitting a fellow employee, let's go into the news. We're going to talk it right off the top with Jim Root. We've talked a lot about Slipknot over the cast weeks. Mostly Corey Taylor. Don't worry, he makes an appearance then. I just broke the suspension. That what you had for the last three minutes. Uh, Jim Root is actually going through surgery, Danny. Yeah, never good. I mean, a couple of musicians have been going through surgery lately, so another another one kind of gets a bit of a mend. Well, Corey Taylor had the issue, didn't he? He had the problems with his health, with his uh, spine, wasn't it? It was definitely neck. It was definitely neck. Yeah, you had him. You also had, um, I mean, Joey Jordison from Slipknot has been having his problems with um. That like nerve disorder and he said at one stage you couldn't drum so a lot of the slipping guys are I guess punishing the bodies for so long it catches up to you the amount of g-forces they put through their bodies over every concert it's just catching up on them like i've seen them perform they don't hold back and unfortunately limbs like that can't be that flexible i remember hearing a story from remember john saffron i think face that guy he did a, his music jamboree that's Egypt, right, yeah. on the ABC. And he talked about, like, I think a time where Slipknot came down, did the big day out. And what happened, they did the big day out. And of course, in Australia, the big day out was always like 40 degree days everywhere you go. But none of the guys decided to, like, wash their masks. So I think by, like, the final concert of Gig Ut, their, their masks were just stinking and sweat and smelling. Some of these guys literally throw up in their masks because of how bad the smell oh, was. Oh, my God. So yeah, these guys, they, they've punished themselves. I imagine they got so suicidal over their thoughts about the smell that they invented the Slipknot, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Mask equals shit. Uh, in Flames now have no interest in recreating the past with their 12th album. This is actually an interview through Alternate Press. Danny, smart move from In Flames? Well, uh, yeah and nay. I mean, actually covered this a little bit recently when we saw that we heard the new albums coming out. And the song we actually heard did kind of sound like some old In Flames. So very interesting for them to say that. But of course, a lot of the new people didn't like that song because it was a bit similar to the old Flames. Maybe... Maybe that's what they're trying to do. Maybe they're trying to say, no, 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 the new album's like, there's new stuff. No, 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 you'll like it. Oh, I think In Flames now really should rest on the laurels of their past stuff. That's their strongest stuff. It's the latest albums that um, have really worried a lot of fans. They're not even metal anymore. Like, literally, In Flames have moved so far away. Again, is it a bad thing? Should we cover it in another 20-minute diatribe? Well, I guess that's up to you, Danny. 
Oh yeah, it is what it is. I guess like we covered a week or two ago, one of the ex bandmates were saying that they they're kind of going away now because they've lost his ability to write help them write songs and pretty much attacked all the current uh, left behind musicians in Inflame. So again, maybe this is a way for them to separate if they have negative press to say, "No, nah, we don't need past uh, members to help us write songs." I must admit, when I saw this tagline, it was instant clickbait for me. I'm like, "What? You guys are trolling me for sure." <laughs> I was hoping this, in every fiber of my being, I was hoping this wasn't true because for me, the classic Inflames, even to the middle section was when they were at their most saddest it's when the guitarist was going through the biggest alcohol slash drug addiction and uh, we got better songs for it so I guess it wasn't a big problem yeah screw their health as long as you make good songs yeah. so this is what's happening they're going to say to themselves alright guys we need to start eating lettuce we need to go to the gym and going into bed at a regular time what happens? You get Dorothy and the Dinosaur music. Yeah, or new Devin Townsend album. It's just too enlightening and too too happy. It makes you angry for the wrong reasons. When you listen to a metal album, it gets you not only angry with it, but you release like it. It's like watching, basically, it's like watching porn, right? You get it, you see it, you, you, you bang along with it, and then at the end of it, you feel pretty satisfied. Yeah, yeah. But when you listen to New and Flames... It's like watching porn that's like about feet and Hillary Clinton. You just go, oh, this is so bad. And at the end of it, you're like, I, I feel worse for it. And you feel angry because you weren't watching the lesbian porn that you should have. Fine, but- man. That's, that's the way we're putting it. I guess, I mean, yeah, good thing about it. You get your beats per minute up as well, you know. Guess what you that Hillary Clinton stuff, it doesn't really get your beats put up. Um, yeah, as a master of doing beats per minute up, let's talk about another unrelated topic for for me. This is fan feel video footage of Tim Ripper Owens. Now, you'd know Tim Ripper Owens from Judas Priest. I Surf, the Mounting, and Dio Disciples. Now, he was performing a stripped-down version of the covered Dio classic, Rainbow in the Dark. Now, when certain record labels were talking about people who sound like Dio, did you think they failed to admit this little nugget? Yeah. I mean, he's um, does great work, uh, Rip Owens. I guess he fronts Dear Disciples. And this one here literally was an acoustic version of it. And you see the clip, he, he really gets emotional, man. He really, really loves the, um, I guess, the music. He's probably a big fan of DM, met the guy. And I mean, he sings for the Dio cover band. So yeah, he really, really gets it. Yeah, he sets up the, the song by saying... I sing this song different every time. So basically, he's internalized the song so much to make it his own, but he still gives it away with so much actual conviction and so. And the technique is superb. In fact, it's so good that we decide we're going to review a Tim Ripper Owens album, the latest one, Charles Walter the Damned. Yeah, that'll be coming up in probably a couple of weeks' time. So stick around for that if you like some good old power meditation. Yeah, we promised certain fans we're going to review a Legion next week, and that's what we will do. Yes. But uh, we'll talk that later. Now, did Sepultura rip off corn, Danny? I don't think so. Well, Corn thinks so. In fact, Jonathan Davis saw the uh, warning signs when they actually had their uh, producer, I think it was at the time, actually go ahead and work on the Chaos AD album with Roots. Now, um, he thought that... Uh, he saw it as a bit of a compliment, but it was also a bit wrong. And James Monkey, the guitarist, actually said, uh, here's the thing, they were trying to imitate... Um, Sepultura. So what actually happened was Sepultura, they spent most of their time corn emulating Sepultura. Sepultura get the producer, spend their time uh, replicating corn. Oh, so the producer acts like a double agent, like a double spy. It's just like, hey, have a try in this riff out. And, oh, that's really great. And it goes back to corn. Yeah, go and have a try in this riff out. <laughs> it's kind of like, this This riff sold 10 million copies. How about if I do it again? Yeah. That means 20 million copies. I get two paychecks, that'd be half the work. <laughs> this is brilliant. I'm a genius. Life imitating art, art's limiting corn so i guess yeah. in that sense no one loses because i guess everyone loves each other in the end roots corn unlucky soil where could have evolved in this be uh, be classic yeah let's talk about sammy hagar danny you are a massive fan of sammy hagar yeah i do love his uh tonality to get technical in our other little um 
What's it like the call purse call center microphone he sings uses? That's always a funny thing to see live. I've never seen it live. We'll have to talk about it next oh, time yeah, when yeah. I actually do my homework. Nah, you know the song like "Why Can't I Be Love" has that little like microphone. It looks like he's a oh yeah. yeah, that's where he can he can like separate all the instruments between him and the melting mothers uh, in their forties, basically yeah. drooling all over his equipment. And probably, the, I think he's the only like rock guy I've seen use that thing. It's not it's not really the most manly of her microphones. Yeah, but uh, it gives you more to look at. And he loves the ladies looking at him. And so we should because the ladies do look at him. And so do the fellas, Danny. Yeah, true. But I think there's a bit less about how he looks and more about what he had to say recently. Yeah, he said that the presidential election right now, 2016, you would know it as USA going through dumb and dumber. Which one you think is worse is up to you. They're both up for contention. But what's more interesting is that's what uh, Sammy Hager believes as well. He said the country's in need of a huge change, even though he believes he, he likes a little of that Trump politically incorrectness. You know, it's kind of like a family episode in between the Care Bears you know it spices it up a bit keeps it interesting but he still concedes that both of them are pretty much duds yeah I mean it's funny we, we, we've been saying this every week a new, a new rock star a new uh, even celebrity will come out and just have their two bobs in and the same especially yeah we, we all we all watch the same news reports as you do so we, we can get what you're saying I, these guys it's just for them easy publicity have you found though that a lot of musicians aren't actually siding with the presidential candidate whereas a lot of actors mm. and stuff have actually expressed their disdain for Donald Trump mostly do you find that bands are actually going avoiding that because it's a rock and roll attitude like hey we've been talking F the government for years and like this election's no different that's true I mean the whole point of being like rock stars like to be rebel and go against authority so it seems like the, the, the more so the rock stars are attacking Trump but no one's really backing Clinton so it's just like they're, they want to attack Trump because it's easy and it's probably good publicity for them but saying that they don't want to side with Clinton for whatever reason maybe because they're anti-authority maybe because they just don't like her I guess it's the point of uh, the point of uh, metal and rock it really is designed to go against the, even comedy you know the best comedy works is like the best metal works it goes against the grain of society and right now we are going through the political correctness era whether you like it or not and some of the bands right now or definitely comedians you know who stand up we talk about Bill Burr a lot they're great comedians metal at the other hands oh we have to worry about that later I guess yeah I mean we've we've had like guess the guy from Fear Factory's come out the lead singer there's come out and talked about it Gene Simmons keeps talking about it Sammy Haggis talked about it, it just again it just keep going through Rob Flynn I think talk, Rob Flynn talks about everything but it, it, just, <laughs> it just keeps they keep talking if about you're it. willing to listen Rob will talk to you he's like that homeless guy who he, he shops in those like big Westfields and he stops next to everyone and talks to him but everyone's so polite that they sit there yeah. and listen to him and go uh huh uh huh yeah I have got something I want to do right now yeah, he, but- he, he grabs like all the different types of like biscuits and he goes oh, can you read recipes to him like oh, oh sugar oh that's good how about this one yeah this is water it's the same okay how about that bottle no that's still water still yeah. the same ingredient casuals love him because they get to serve one customer on the checkout and they're like hey I get to go home because like that's what he does he yeah, talks yeah. to that one person for the whole time that's right cancel the years on his coins tries to give, give him to you in order <laughs> uh, speaking about things who people who talk to other people to not do things uh, moshing now Danny have you believe in your heart that moshing now is a form of bullying per se or do you believe other things I believe a lot of things like the earth actually is flat and that I think my I think my flowers come to life at night time and try to stab me with their petals oh, so, so you're a regressive nut job so basically you're saying you come from Tumblr that's what you're saying pretty much you can't silence me though I have my thoughts and my feelings and my feeling regarding moshing is that no it is not a form of bullying. Yeah, you almost took me for a dark path, which I thought I needed to look for another super metal brother there for a minute, Danny. There's two different schools, right? Now, Slipknot percussionist Chris Fine. This is a second Slipknot, I must have added. Wow, they, mm. they really do talk a lot of shit, don't they? Yeah, it's like they almost like 
own a like magazine <laughs> or you or maybe the super metal brothers are just too lazy to look at other magazines yeah we're, we're like click based the first one you click and it, just, and it just keeps linking you click one slipknot article and you just keep clicking more slipknot articles anyway so chris fenn the percussionist from slipknot believes that now moshing in this in the united states at least has got the one big guy in the middle and he's kind of like smashing and pushing the weight of all the little kids right now the actual article that we got it from uh, the author said that, that uh, look they're going to be jerks in any sport there's going to be jerks in every arena and is there now a moshing etiquette uh, the irony of that Danny I think there is certain etiquette in moshing like one you don't purposely go around to like punch people in the head and throw your elbows around the whole slam dance and stuff that's not cool just don't do that shit. I mean the guys who are trying to like pretend the helicopters and fly by swinging arms really fast that's just, it, just, it looks retarded just don't do it. That the other thing about moshi etiquette there is like if someone falls down, you help pick them up. So there is a little bit of etiquette, but you know it's not like okay, thou shall only jump one foot in the air and thou shall only use one arm to signal the band that you like the music. You know? I've been going to shows now for probably fifteen years, right? And there's only one instance I found where there was there's bullies. Remember we saw Black Sabbath, Danny. No. Yeah. Yeah, it was Black Sabbath, right? It was Black and Sabbath. And we had these two junked up steroid twins who muscled their way right to the front. And uh, credit to the fans, they just let them have it. So even though if there are bullies, they're not going to last very long in the scene. Yeah, but again, are they like fans? Because look at those guys, they never actually go into the music. So they could just be like jumping on the, oh, look, I want to see Black Sabbath, man. They imposed their presence and they just got shut down for it. And mostly it was the lovely ladies who were next to us were just giving a piece of their mind. And we absolutely loved it. You know, the crowd turned on them. And I guess in a sense, there is a deep-rooted system of ideas that we like to uphold in the metal community and... And uh, yeah, there's moshing. But if you're in, if you're in there, it's kind of anything goes. But uh, even at a point, they went moshing. They got into a, a crowded area, so I guess that's yeah, nothing like, to be related to it. <laughs> it's just like society. Don't be a dick. That's yeah. simple. Okay, wife, manager, reality TV star Sharon Osbourne. Now she has an incredibly awesome view, which I actually agree with about the X Factor, Danny. Oh, this sounds spiny. This is quite amazing that she's actually attacking the show she's on, and she admits she's taking the show, and she admits she's part of the problem. What is the problem? Well, basically, in a nutshell, and that is... I just I just love milking this because this is so mm. juicy. You're going to want to take all that oranges that you saw and be like, that's not juice. This is the juice right here. Just ditch those oranges. Throw them away. Um, yeah, there's no truly iconic rock stars and there is no way she sees that the voice is it oh hers is the x fact but she said reality shows in general yeah. so yeah. reality shows in general aren't producing rock stars yeah and they never will and never will never, and ever. super metal brothers agree 100% we are flying the Sharon Osbourne flag on this one well you have to I mean I've, I have now then I like I like to watch them being a bit of a singer I like to see the talent out there but it's just like it's just like a carbon copy of the same person every year I'm like this is just ridiculous no one cares and that's the point can you be a rock star when you're trying to appease the validation of three judges who are now put over in everyone's eyes as the actual legends can you ever get there well, the, the point about it is, well, it's not even really the judges who pick it. Like, it's the producers of the shows anyway. Like, the classic one is The Voice, where it's all based on how good a person's voice is. That is complete nonsense. On one episode, there's this lass who used to be like a backup singer, Jimmy Barnes, and she was a monster of a singer. Oh, somehow she didn't get through. Oh, that's a bit weird, isn't it? You know, being that great of a singer or being on a song based purely on your voice. Yeah. Same episode, some lass came in, young lass, very attractive, sang very flat, very average. 
Oh, she got through. Well, that's that's really amazing. I thought the show was based on your voice ability. Tiffany, two tones, the two notes you couldn't even hit correctly, somehow got three. We understand. We know what's going on. And let's be honest, there, there are always three people who win the X Factor or the voice, and they're always the judges. Uh, yeah, that's true. They always like have like a new like record coming out or tour at the same time. Oh, convenience. Oh, it's convenience. The time is amazing. But in the end, you don't really want to go on those shows because whatever happens to the winners, does anyone actually know what the winners do anymore? I, I think I saw the winner at Costco, like stacking. Um, shelves. I'm not saying it's a bad job, but that's no. What, what happens is, and they're going to argue. They're going to say, well, "What about Guy Sebastian or Adam Lambert?" Firstly, Adam Lambert had the look and the sound before he went in there, right? And, and Sarah Osborne acknowledged that, right? Mm-hmm. Now let's talk about Guy Sebastian. Yeah, he might have won it through his evangelical friends up at uh, Paradise Community Church, where it's all about uh, the fields and the money. But what's more important, though, is that he then went to America off the back of his own thing, worked on his songwriting, worked on his own stuff, got big there, came back here, and he knows better than anyone that you get big overseas, you get big in Australia. Did quite well. He nearly even won at Eurovision. Yeah. And, you know, we are Guy Sebastian fans here. You know, he's he's a talented muso, and more importantly, he knows how to play the game. Time's play the game, and that's how you play it. It's all about control. And he's from Adelaide, so that that would make him him a winner in life. And I was just singing Triple H then, and no one even knew. That sucks. I don't know. Yeah, I was trying not to mention it, because I don't know how we're tying in Triple H to this. We're tying in Triple H with Nickelback right now. Oh, I see the connection. Uh, Nickelback, don't mess with them. They are troll levels are at five thousand right oh, now. Here it comes, yeah. They've actually got hit by the band called Royal Blood. Now they trolled Nickelback by saying Donald Trump plus Hillary Clinton equals Nickelback, right? And mm. Nickelback's response was Nickelback jokes are like Royal Blood. They were a lot cooler a couple of years ago. Don't drink and tweet, fellas. Unreal. Man. This might get some of that cred back to the Canadian pop stars. It's like Chad Kruger father now because that's like a classic dad joke. <laughs> I mean, it's like, well, to be fair, he's actually given a bit of a credit and they actually were cool at one stage. I don't think anyone ever said Nickelback were cool anytime. So, Oh, you just zinged them back. Zinged them back. Oh, no, now we're going to have, oh, Super Rebels were cool like, uh, yeah, like 10 years ago, yeah? Well, we'll just finish it off with Corey Taylor. He calls out AJ. Now, we know AJ as the guy who runs Soundwave, right? Now, we understand that at the end of it, it wasn't looking very good, poor attendances, and he had a lot of bills and overheads he had to pay. But let's bury him in you one anyway, hey, Danny? Yeah, because we're still a bit bitter about the whole No More Music Festival. Even though we never went out credit around Music Festival, we're still upset. That we are entitled to, as uh, armchair activists, to uh, to be right about this too, hey, Danny? Oh, man, from a guy who like listens to music in his car and like never goes out to organize, or, I never organized one of these functions before. Our I, opinion matters. Our opinion is like so strong and valid that I'm just really angry. You can hear in my voice, upset I am. Corey Taylor calls it AJ saying it was one of the coolest festivals that was Soundwave's festival to be a part of and yet so many bands got dicked over. He also says and this is coming from a guy who doubly dicked over because he was with there with Stone Sour and he got dicked as well with all those years before Slipknot debacle. So this was kind of a long time coming without getting too many into specifics. Unfortunately we have to agree he's not the only one there are quite a lot of bands who owed quite a lot of money and take it as it is I guess Danny. Yeah we've mentioned this before like how if it's going to harm the Australian metal scene what we could do to recover from it it's actually quite funny because there's, there's talks about, you know, um, not fest coming to Australia. And, uh, I mean, it would just be hilarious if like, AJ Madden for some reason formed the band. And then <laughs> Slim was like, yeah, come play on the not fest. That'd be great, AJ Madden. And boom, you're not getting paid, son. Oh, how's it feel? <laughs> it's full circle. Ultimate heel. <laughs> do, 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 do. <laughs> it comes out like deck chant, smacks me over the head. <laughs> it was me, Corey Taylor. <laughs> Why? Why, Slim, not Why? <laughs> 
All right, so we posed a podcast question to all our fans out there in Radio Land. And the question was, what are the best metal rock albums in the last 16 years? Now, Metal Hammer have just released the top albums since the year 2000. So they're trying to uh, get on the uh, sales pitch record for magazines, which is, I guess, uh, harder than trying to get milk out of a dead cow. Yeah. Yeah, and they they've really died in the ass with this article. I mean, like the the um they had a couple of rules, like you know, no live albums, no collaboration albums, only one album per band, only from the year two thousand to year two thousand fifteen. So that that were pretty much the standard rules for this um top hundred list. I think I think mate, you're right. I think it's a bit premature for a top hundred list. We're not even like a quarter way through the year. I mean, there's only been what. Yeah. 110 albums released this, this century, isn't it? Yeah, and because they had so many lists, they would ask like some Joe Blow who plays in some band, oh, what is that your favourite album? And some arbitrary nonsense reason, like, oh, I pulled my dick to it once and, uh, you know, I felt like a good time. So that's why it just completely changed my perception of the bands. So I'm like, are you for real? Like, is it? But you know what? Because we're going to talk about the bands, firstly, that should have been put in there, Danny. Yeah, I mean, should we start with that? Should we start with their top 10 list, you know? All right, we'll start with their top, we'll list, the top 10, 10 list. Thing. And we can pull it apart, and then we can say why other bands should be in it. Yeah, look, anyway, look, let's be honest. 11 to 100 is all filler. You're going to read it and be like, okay, your favorites were missed out. But let's talk about the top 10. Number 10. Some small band called Linkin Park, the album Hybrid Theory. 2000 has just snuck in there, man. They were very lucky with that. Yeah, yeah, read them all out, and we'll go through it at the end. Yeah. Number 9 is Behemoth, The Satanist, 2014. Number 8 is Mastodon, Cracked. The Sky, 2009. Then Killswitch Engage, The End of Heartache, 2004 at number seven. Number six, Avenged Sevenfold, Way King The Fallen, 2003. And that gets us down to number five, Lamb of God. Ashes of the Wake, 2004. Number four, System of a Down, Toxicity, 2001. Number three, Bring Me the Horizon, Semple Eternal. We'll go with that. 2013. Number two, Machine Head, The Blackening, 2007. And your number one best album release in the last 15 years goes to, they've been a big feature on tonight's show, Matt. It is Slipknot. Iowa 2001. Yeah, let's take it right from the very, very top. So we have to assume that these albums only come out for the last 15 years, so we can safely assume that the person who wrote the article was at least 15. 15 is probably fair because a lot of these millennials don't know that the world existed before 2000. Yeah. I learned all these hipsters. Apparently, um, cycling has only been popular since they invented it. Even though the Tour de France been over 100 years, whatever. That's right. Cycling, deconstructed food, which I caught going to Foodland. Yeah, yeah. It's called, <laughs> it's right, shopping. It's called vegetables. Yeah. <laughs> or like coffee. Apparently, coffee's only been popular the last two years. Tell that to all the Italians, apparently. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, listen, I think, well, the funny thing about, it, I guess, the number one album, Slipknot, it was, it was quite the album for those people getting into metal. It was a very good transition album. And when we saw them at Soundwave, they did bring quite a big crowd. So I guess that's a harder one to, to, to pick. I couldn't actually pick another one than that. So that, for me, was okay. Yeah, I mean, that that's true. I mean, even Slipknot, I was really massive into them growing up and listening to them now. Like that, that album is a very great album. And any band, especially like a gimmick band who's a heavy metal band, can make it onto like commercial radio and commercial like TV shows. Like we had video hits back in the day and they were on video hits. For them to be on that, you got to give them credit. So they've actually made the link between pop culture and metal culture. And um, I mean, like, like we said last week, we, we reckon they're, they're probably the next headline massive band going around and be around for the next 15 years or so. Much like with a, a certain music article from Metal Hammer, 
are putting he- bands like Heaven and Hell. Heaven and Hell, Danny, there's another one later on. And I guess the one I want to, I'm getting to right now is the Behemoth, the Satanist album. Is this possibly, Danny, one of the most overrated albums we've had of the last 15 years? Yeah. I really don't understand why people are that much love with this album. I just think that people know that how good the Demigod album was, Behemoth. They're just using that. Oh, we know that Behemoth are really great, so like because they did that album. So therefore, the Satanist must has to be better than that because it's a new album. But it's not. But we must make it better because it just it just wasn't. That, I don't know. Wasn't I didn't get it? I will concede to it was a very big risk album, and it wasn't a bad album. In fact, it could resonate with a lot of people in that sense. But to say it's their best work is just a complete betrayal on Demigod. This album has songs so memorable in any any of the tracks it's just got money risk literally risk i'd pay thousands of dollars for and to have that diminished because got through a very bad time use it for inspiration and people maybe that resonated more maybe the story of demi uh the story of the satanist is better than the riff the album itself i think the people who think the satanist is like behemoth's best album same people who think like heritage is opeth's best album yeah it's like nah this is good because you you don't you understand man you understand like what they're doing man like all those metal elitists like nah they're they're, they're beyond metal they're like post transcend it's Postmodern metal. Yeah, it's post pro modern. De- yeah, you're right. It's now I'm not even going to justify it. It's not their best album, but it's a good album. Um, is it? Yeah, it's Emmy God should have been on the list. Let's talk about some more because I'm. Is there anything else on the top ten, Danny, that you uh, had major issues with? Oh, uh, look, they, they just seem very like mainstream. Which look again, it's, it's probably easy, but it's probably fair. Like system of a down. It's like yeah, I know. It's just it's just easy that way, but they didn't really last much longer really I don't know well let's talk about bands that should have made it and obviously for me I have a very big impartial to Nevermore obviously with the best metal guitarist going around at this current no, time no 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 the Metal God Award said Lizzie Hale was the best shredder man oh. so Jeff Loomis he wasn't even nominated you can't you can't say that Matthew you can't but c- continue with your I Jeff Loomis for another time but the album of all albums for Nevermore was Godless Endeavor. I don't know how this didn't make it in the list, but to be honest, it doesn't make it in anyone's list, and I cannot figure out why this album does everything right. In fact, it's it's transcending upon all the mediocreness that came out. I think it was all the way in 2005, but whatever. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to understand a guy who's such a great guitarist now, even like Arch Enemy wanted him on the list and all this, he's doing like collaborations with Keith Merrin and stuff. So he's he's well-renowned, well-respected and well-known. He even has his own like guitar line for like Shakti guitars. But for some reason, the metal community still doesn't really rate him. It's like, what, what do you need to do? To, I don't get it. Unfortunately, he doesn't come out with a stupid mask or maybe has a gimmick like he's uh, in some, he's like a worshiper of Satan or anything yeah, else yeah. that, uh, you know, he's just from the like, forest of dreams and... <sighs> Yeah, and golden showers. Yeah, uh, again, uh, soil work. The Gothenburg metal giants at one point. You know, they you could argue in flames is bigger or soil work, but anything after Predator's portrait onwards, and you've got stabbing the drama could have made it, or even everyone's favourite Natural Born Chaos. How with Hollow the Hollow? That one song is better than albums on this list. I don't understand how they keep screwing this up, Metal Hammer, Danny. I don't really, I don't really know. I, I think like maybe we we're like not mainstream enough. I don't know. Maybe we purposely find bands which people don't like. We like them. Maybe that's what we do. Maybe there's a problem with us, man. We can't, we can't feel like we belong. With yeah, I, I feel like if we're playing a game of an RPG and we're like picked the troll and we're on level 100, literally we've maxed out our axe and all right. we're doing is just taking swipes at guys with fire bigger swords. 
Yeah, and it gets us frustrating because we just can't pierce in the armor, and they keep piercing us instead. Josh Liebelt even commented on our well, he was too he was too upset not to, right? He's actually put threat signals under reprisal. This was a juggernaut album when it came out and did so many different things, but used it off of the shoulders of the Giants at the time. Unfortunately, had a mass exodus of members, but it could have been acknowledged at least any of that album. Oh yeah, everybody was talking about like these guys were the new kings of metal, blah blah blah. When they came out, so these guys are massive. This is awesome. Yeah, yeah, they've taken yeah. what Soil what were doing and Sugar, the two biggest bands at the time, and they put them right together. Um, even Laurie McLaughlin mentioned Sixth Day, uh, Death of the Dead Day. Now we don't know much about that album, so we're going to move on to another album, Danny. Yes, yeah, man. We'll pretend they're top because he's a good bloke. We actually interviewed yeah, him, so yeah, yeah. What Laurie said that yeah. album's great. Laurie's awesome. Mercenary, the hours that remain. This album is so great. Mum bought it and she listened to it in her car. I think she stole off me but it doesn't really matter the logistics aren't that important no the main thing is that people listen to it and the best death metal album written by a like death metal band virus from hypocrisy i don't i just don't know why we do this to ourselves daniel why do we get sandpaper and rub it against our genitals and then rip it off and expect people to listen to us yeah and go for like a salt water bath afterwards i understand i think i think people like have like listened to what we listen to they purposely told me hammer you know what don't don't put these on there because just just piss these guys off we like them when they're pissed off they're Somewhat funnier. So we did manage to find an album that wasn't on the list that we did agree with, Danny. Actually, more importantly, a band that didn't make the top 100 albums of all time. Yeah. Now, this is definitely the most underrated metal band going around. This, The fact that no one rates this band, it literally gets me angry. Like, you know when you're in the shower or you're in the, on a shitter and that's the time you think and you can spiritualize about life and contemplate it? Well... This is the band where I say to myself, this is why I sometimes are frustrated at the metal scene and metal leaders because this band deserves more than they than they get. What band are you talking about? Oh, you'll find it in a second. But what's the band? What, what band are we going to talk about first, Matt? I thought Metallica not being on the list was pretty awesome. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. I, I was really surprised. I thought they had they had balls not to put Metallica on there. It was really really good. Yeah, yeah I, they haven't done an album that's been that important. I mean, I mean, unless you want to rate Lulu. Yeah, a lot of Actually, people had a lot of things to say about yeah, that album. To be fair, um, in the in the top hundred list, they also had top like five mistakes, and yeah, Lulu was definitely one of those. Though you could say David Bowie before he passed on to greater things, maybe to write you know soundtracks for God, taking a dump. He rated that album. He said it was a great little risky album. He thought it was really good. So maybe we're not quite up to listening to it yet. I, I literally you didn't hear that from David Bowie. No, okay. no, no. I really, I'm not. Actually, I'm not a David Bowie fan. Yes, that's right. I'm waiting, waiting for like the, the shocks and awes to stop. I've just, too far. I never listened to his stuff. I'm like, uh, it's too, it's too slow and melodic. Uh, I don't want to do it. So there you have it. That's been our thoughts on the Metal Hammer's top albums of the century. Yeah, I'd say you stick to writing bad articles about uh, how old bad awards that we're going to have to cover next week, oh, Danny. Really- Ridiculous. Yeah, Metal oh. Hammer have done the awards right, and they've given it. Look, you, you might as well. It's like it's like, like honestly, like the Liberals having a. All right, let's have a, an award ceremony of who's been the best prime minister in the last four years. Malcolm Turner, you winner! Oh wow, who saw that coming? Like I've seen more twists in a game of uh, Jenga. It's just ridiculous. Yeah, well, like best environmentalist awards and goes like on the oil like companies. Yeah. Just like, hey, <laughs> yeah, because uh, oil is BHP. Oh wow, hey. good job. Hey, oil comes from the environment, so therefore they must be environmentalists. That's how it works. Danny, I've had enough talking about really bad lists. Let's talk about a really good band. Oh, man, I'll continue my right now. Like before, like I was saying, the fact that this band does not get the attention, it, it really, it, it almost makes me want to fly to Sydney and do something about it, man. Rise of the One. Oh, my dark icono. 
Class. Symphony X. We are reviewing not the latest album from Symphony X, but in our opinion, the best album from Symphony X. Now, we are going to try to do a sales pitch to our listeners out there and tell you why this is not only one of the best metal albums written by the band, but probably one of the best metal albums ever written. Oh, it's fan. It is absolutely amazing. Brilliant. I mean, the first thing that it got me is that I remember buying just the first single um, CD release, and they only had, I think it was seven or eight songs on it. Yep. And then by some fluke, uh, one of our mates actually bought uh, Josh Liebert again, bought the double CD, and he's talking about all these other songs. I was like, what are you talking about? There's more songs? By some fluke of a chance, my car was stolen with that CD in it, which made me have to buy the double CD Symphony X album. How amazing is it that? It was almost worth the $3,000. <laughs> and the tears. But that's, you know. <laughs> Look, let's talk about Symphony X, the Iconoclast. And before we get into reviewing the album, let me talk to you a little bit about what the album is. Iconoclast is the eighth album by the American Progressive Metal Band Unit. It was released on June the 17th, 2011, which means it falls under the category of best metal albums written in this century. Yeah, by a fair bit. It did quite well. You know, it, it actually sold more than 7,000 copies in its first week. When Russell Allen, the lead singer, was interviewed, he said the lyrical theme around it was the idea of machines taking over everything and that all the technology we have in our society is pretty much our own demise. Basically, our innovation is our annihilation. Yeah, it seemed to be a popular theme for metal bands around that time. We had like Nemec did it as well and we did it on a Fager recently. So yeah, it seems to be a very popular theme. I mean, like, the metal always thinks about the trends, about the future and about stuff like that. So so I'm so going, going back to the album. Oh, we need to talk about the album first. And oh, yes. what we do is talk about good albums, bad albums. Any album is a five-step super metal brand Brothers foolproof review section we call now the first one is the riffs right so we are going to talk about the riffs on this album Danny never a dull moment this thing shines more than the sun through the glistening solar eclipse then that is Jenna Jameson's asshole what is this album do this album straight away with the opening with just kicks you in the face with steel caps you open the door expecting the milkman and you get booed yeah you get this like incredibly nuts tapping diminished evil just out of nowhere like you know the band's gonna give you something heavy but then it just comes at you with this incredibly angry angular riff and you're just hooked right from the start this thing has got you now and it won't let you go until the very end hey Oh, it's just, yeah. I mean, that's, it's an eight-minute song or eight, actually long. Ten, it's ten, ten minutes, minutes 53, yeah. man. Eight minutes where it cuts back in to get in the verse and just blows you off your, off your seat again. But the riffs are just so chunky in that song. It's just, it's just brilliant. But then you have, like, cool breakdowns, like Lord of Chaos, et cetera, and other great songs. Bass Machines, great, like, power-like driving song Then End of Innocence, again, like, more heartfelt song there. But the, the riffs, it's just Michael Romy for for. Uh, chubby dude man he can really like shred that guitar man his soloing is just like a phenomenal thing right and this is the thing they don't do what Dream Theater does where they have to have a section where the, there's keyboardists and guitarists and they can do it simply don't get me wrong but they don't go into this like no, this forced narrative and it takes you on this three minute solo section together whatever right they do it when it needs to be done but most of the time you just get riff after riff mm. and these riffs are so good that you could take them out of any song in this context put it into any other style of metal and have a different style of drumming and it would still resonate as an awesome riff that's no, great I mean, yeah very, oh yeah oh, riffs galore it's just so oh, light, of the, oh. light up the night you know stuff like that they're really energetic stuff like that Electric Messiah the chorus big and open 
gives time for Russell Allen to stretch his wings. You've even got stuff like Heretic, which has got that really cool driving thrash style that's evil as hell, but for some reason, you know, Russell Allen, we have to talk about vocals later, he gets to soar over it. Yeah, and that's great. I, I also especially love uh, Lords of Chaos, where they do a nice um, a homage to Rainbow's Gates of Babylon. So that, that's a really cool, like, little riff in there as well. But it's just, it's just really really even like Rain and Madness that they, he's very clever with the songwriting that he actually um marries it up well with the lyrics about like a bit of a show a bit of a showpiece and the, the music like makes you feel like you're watching a theatre production where they're opening up the curtains and the show's about to begin so the subtleties in their music it's it just it's brilliant as well the, the, the song and the riffs actually marry the, the vocals and the drums and what the song's about quite well there's never a time where you've had enough listening to a riff because then in the next song comes like, let's say you've listened to Dehumanize or in a, End of Innocence where it's been a bit more heavier then Bastard's Machine comes up kind of lifts up the tempo a bit gives it a drive middle of the song breaks it down a little bit with a heavy fist pumping riff that you're going to just punch you know along with Russell and live with you know you've imagined it in your head when you meet it and you're going to you know talk about it right and then even at the end of the track they've written their best ballad to this date on the album called When All Is Lost man this thing just gets put over all the time by anyone listening to it it is their best ballad and the melodies song structure you know the whole lot just, it, 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 they do dream theater better than dream theater on this on this song particularly yeah I mean the good thing about these guys they, they actually let riffs stay they're not like a dream theater for example I, I, we say dream theater because everybody always has to compare Symphonics to dream theater and the fact that they're just separated a band maybe when Symphony X first started they're a bit more on the progressive and the subtle side but now they just turned to a really hard rock now They've, and truth is on the opposite so to compare those two say oh you can't like one because of the other that's just childish talk I mean Symphony X is just brilliant just brilliant musicians all around the park man. just like Dream Theater but uh, fantastic man you know yeah look we've gushed about these riffs for long enough pick, an, pick a song off the album listen to it you, you're going to find a section of the song you're going to love as a guitarist right This is they're always going to either make you bang your head along with it or you're going to make you want to run around or they're going to make you want to sing with it but let's talk about the singing now Russell Allen Jeez. what a tour of force his voice itself literally pushes buildings over i mean we we had like the power blackout here in south australia man i just gave jay weatherall our premier this cd and said just blast this man in ross allen's vocals they'll, they'll power up south australia and you know it works that is why we have power at the moment it's because we're playing iconic class 24 7 here in adelaide the biggest criticism and i understand for certain listeners is maybe the subject matter sometimes he says things like the buses and the machine when he says it in the chorus that might tickle or rustle some fellas because it's not heavy enough and that but what he does do is that anything he does sing the conviction is phenomenal yeah like i agree some of the lyrics can be a bit cheesy and can be a bit like uh do you didn't really think that through could you like got a thesaurus for christmas for least and like look yeah. past the first word as well but but, Let's be honest. Oh, but he, if he sang you the thesaurus, you're like, man, that's a really awesome thesaurus, <laughs> man. Shit. Where are those from? What what else can we replace the word with awesome? Oh, my God. Russell Allen can be in there, too. Oh, like, this guy has ridiculous. power. He has technique. He has range. He has different tonalities. He has everything. He just he just he can literally do everything to see. He can like grunt. He can growl. He can high power vocals. He can can, you, can oh. we even believe this is the thing I don't understand? Like some of his best vocal performances are saved for some of the extra tracks. Light up the night, Danny. Come yeah. on, that chorus. He's going. He's getting virgins pregnant with this kind of vocal range. Honestly, like they are losing their 
their vows of celibacy and they're having sex with Russell Allen's voice. Oh, I, yeah, I, I was nearly like angry that they didn't do that on their first album. They, they, they do like three bonus songs on their double CD set. And these songs, I guess there's more production, but these songs are great. Like same as saying, his vocals in that, that song are, are But let, let's, not, let's not diminish it. Let's talk about even songs like The End of Innocence. Look at that, that chorus that comes in, like, don't yeah. walk away. It's just like so iconic and memorable and it grabs you and it makes you want to, it makes you believe that you're a good singer. And unfortunately oh. for me, when I do sing with it, I, I don't even care that I'm that terrible that, you know, parents have disowned me or girlfriends have decided that you need to be probably be gay and choose your yeah, your sex a little yeah. bit differently. For some reason, cash is out there and scratch your face try to reach oh, vocals. But who cares? Because like, you know, dehumanize, you know, Boston Machine, again, that register at the top is so high, but he's hitting this thing. There's no false facetto crap. There's none of this Iron Maiden. Oh, there's the note and I'm singing three three tones flat of it. It's just all brilliant. Yeah, I mean, he's got that much power in his voice. You can't hear the falsetto in it. I don't think he actually has a falsetto range. It just literally is all power. Yeah, and then when he does When All Is Lost, the actual strongest ballad, this thing is the best Symphony X ballad for a reason because his performance and his vocal delivery I mean, you could say that maybe off Nevermore. Um, uh, World. Yeah, uh, sorry, that's right. The uh, fourth track off that. That yeah. might be one of their better ballads, but this is probably more in tune the whole time with being a ballad, right? Yeah, yeah I agree. And yeah. Uh, again, it's just, he gives you such a beautiful performance. There's a reason why Floor Janssen wanted him for the best track off of a revamp record. It's because he's that good. Yeah, yeah he was also in Star One as well, where like Steve Wilson got him to sing a couple of songs. and He's definitely a gun for hire, man. If you if you want someone, to, even like uh, Lorne Yarn, Yarn Lorne, mm. how you pronounce the German's name, they've done probably another one of the greatest power singers going around at the moment. Both those who have um, done a couple of collaboration CDs together as well because he just he just has it, man. He's going to sell you right from the very start of Iconoclast when he comes in about three minutes into the song because like, you just get all these awesome riffs before it, so what do you care if he comes in? When he does come in, when he hits that song, oh. the lyrics of Rise of the One, oh. that's it. That's, That's it, mate. We bought the tickets already back in 2000 and whenever this album came out. And we we're, were just waiting for these guys to come to Australia so we could see them just from this one line. Oh, it's, man. That line, or even in uh, Heretic when he does uh, Parasites with Lives of Little Consequence, three seconds is better than the albums on that top 100 list. It's ridiculous. Oh, it's just, yeah. Really, I think Russell Allen is brilliant. I think we can go on to the next uh, category, Matt. Diversity. And this is another right. thing. We get right. in prog metal, you're going to get diversity. We know what prog metal is about. Prog metal, in itself, its definition is the, the ability of changing, right? And it's basically going through it. Now, this is the reason why we think Symphony X right now are the best progressive metal band. Because obviously, their home is metal. And their guitarist, Michael Remy, makes no apologies of it. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, you see all different influences and styles to the guys' songs. You know, you have like the rainbow influence, the classic prog rock. You have the power metal in there. You have the whole neoclassical stuff. You have just um, thrash. Yeah, right. Later on, they'd go into a little bit of like with. Uh uh, their latest album they got into a little bit of death metal in a certain sense with like Cherry On and stuff like that but there are influences in classical music from Queen for example you can mm. hear some of those harmonies that uh, he'd been lynched right out of a uh, you know a Freddie Mercury style you know uh, Dio being another influence so you get that kind of rock from the 80s this is all in and it's all seamless. It all comes together as an enjoyable experience. Each song goes up and down. And then the connection to other songs is all in a tangent. It's all flowing. It's, oh, you can listen. We've listened to this album from start to finish so many times. I cannot tell you how many times I've done it. Hey, 
Yeah, I mean, so because there's so much diversity in the album, you never get bored of it. You, you go from like a really heavy opening song, Iconoclast, then an innocent, very like, powerful song, Dehumanized, a bit more like aggressive song. And then Each- you have your ballads. Oh, it's everywhere. That's right. And in saying that, the one thing, the diversity is the diversity of the musicians on this album. And every single musician is at the top of their level. People I've known talk about how good the drumming is. People I know talk about the keyboards, how we can shred, how we can add things like solos or in the innocence where he does his own little cool lines and stuff like that right oh russell allen you know every member is at its strongest point and they all bring something to the band that shines and they never do anything that takes away from the songs yeah and then they're so comfortable in their abilities they can slow it down and strip it back and they can still make the song feel big and powerful they, they don't have to always be like going 110 like a lot of bands they, they rely on their breakdowns to settle you to stuff these guys don't need it they just are just solid um, songwriters and so good in songwriting abilities of changing up their styles etc and adding a bit more taking a bit less from each song That they just it's, it's just all good you can take songs like When All Is Lost you could take that out of there as a piano ballad put on it solo get some chick from Sweden and that would be one of the best ballads that for a child's a kid story or whatever or like any of those metal riffs again it's just they just can go anywhere they're just awesome riffs the whole yeah. time if you want the heaviest stuff you've got it you know but uh, you're never going to get sick of it it's never going to ever save its welcome because you've got the thrashy one the headbanger the one that makes you kind of sit there and jump around a little bit or you know it's just any emotion but they always pick the right uh, the right way to make you feel with the song selections and the, the riffs yeah again, again diverse, this album has it I mean it has well, so far boom it has riffs Boom, has vocals. Boom, has diversity. I mean, that's really three out of five there. So yeah, we can keep going, Matt. What does this album do for you, Danny? Now, the reason why this album, I'm guessing number four is The Groove. Why is this album groovy? Because it is. Son. We got songs like Prometheus, where that is literally just a groovy interest. Like, that's just a groovy freaking riff, man. You know, they don't. Again, because they have that ability, they don't always just have to throw songs out your face. They can actually make it a really rocking and groovy song, man. Yeah, it's. I, I just keep looking at this song list and just waiting for me to pick one over the other. You can name groovy sections over any song in the sense that they're going to make you want to like move with it. Obviously, Iconoclast just gets your blood boiling. It's just such an energetic song. It hits you so fast and it's so powerful and incredibly um, just jaw-dropping like some of those riffs and the stuff in it. And Evanescence comes on for that really cool intro, cool key change at the end, which always works an absolute treat. Dehumanize, bus machine, the whole, you got the fast bits, you got the slow bits, every riff makes you either want to headbang or makes you want to go for a run in the, in the circles and that or uh this makes you it always makes you it always makes you bounce your head it's always making you bounce your head no matter yeah. what riff it is even if it's really angry or really happy i'm always like yeah well, yeah i'm having a great time yeah great even like electric messiah which is actually a cool it was a cool song they released because they actually had a bit of a contest with that song that they want um fans to do film clips for it so the best yeah. film clip actually got I think the war you get to meet the band or some tickets so that's really cool but again another cool groovy parts in that song as well gets you um, to bob your head along so oh, and sing great. along to it as well so yeah. the thing about groove which we love the most is that when the chorus is hit you know this is going to be a great time by all you don't know what you're going to get with some of the songs some songs do what they need to do and go through a formula but some songs don't and they go take a very progressive mentality and take you through a whole journey kind of thing but it's never like oh we're going to do this section we're going to do a, like Opeth where they're like okay we've done the heavy bit let's do an acoustic bit right Mm. These guys might have a whole metal song that goes for five, six minutes, but they yeah. changed up with styles inside of it. Like you got your metal thrash section, you got your new metal section, you got your rock section, like the one like a rainbow kind of infused or Dio in his 80s, you know? Mm. Uh, I definitely, yeah, I mean, there's definitely a lot for you to groove along to. 
and sing along and blast it out. It's even like, again, the, the ballad is just a... A groove yeah. accessible by any metalhead. Here's the thing. When it comes to groove and it's a death metal, yeah, unfortunately, it's only going to placate to a death metal crowd. Sure, it's going to be amazing and strong and you're going to... And those death metal fans will like rip open chest cavities just to see how brutal things can really get in a mosh pit. Yeah, with the etiquette. But... Pinkies in the air, pinkies in the air. But groove in this band is like any metalhead who has an appreciation for good riffs or even diversity in their own eclectic collection... We'll just get into it, you know? I just can't understand, you know, aside from the subject matters that he sings about, everything else is really on point. Uh, exactly right, yeah. Uh, again, I always find it hard that these guys are not bigger. But we'll come on, we shall continue to production. Again. We are going to tee this bad boy. I've sent it into orbit, and we hope that this radiates across the world like the sun does, baking us at 5 o'clock every morning now, thanks to Daylight Savings. The production, Danny. Again, just fantastic. The way the songs are written, the structure, the sounds, when to come in with like solos, when not, when to use like heavier drums, when not, when to use powerful singing, when not to do it. It's just all on point. The idea with these guys, they are so good at musicians. I don't think they took takes or sections or a note and then reproduced it and then like cut and chopped. I reckon these guys sat down, played at the highest level, recorded it when they had the best day, and that was it. I don't get this modern recording situation with them. We're going to review uh, some bands in the future who I fear come down to this micromanaging of recording where they literally get notes and they paste notes over notes to make sure it is so clean and everything's so accurate and why don't you just be better musicians like Symphony X yeah definitely I mean they, they, they don't use that many bells and whistles in this in this album like additional sound effects or unique synth sounds or guitar distortions like unique sounds or sound effects they, they pretty much just stick to their initial zone abilities to create these um, yeah. songs again they've spent a bit of money refining it and making sure everything's balanced and everything is every single instrument has a time to shine but it's never lost in the mix everything is heard really well and you could tell Michael Remy's orchestration like he obviously uh, respects a lot of the um, yeah John Williams John Williams yeah. and stuff and you can tell these kind of influences come through in this way because everything that's been arranged comes through in the mix and it's an appreciation for classic music like that helps you in heavy metal and rock and this is definitely oh, a shining achievement for, for the boys. Yeah, again, like we mentioned earlier, the, the, the way they're able to marry the lyrics and the, and the um, vocals and the guitars and the song structures together is brilliant. I mean, not a lot of bands do that. A lot of bands, they'll just go heavy for the whole song and then that's it or go melodic for the whole song and that's it. And these guys are able to change and be progressive and take you on a ride yeah no matter how technical a riff is no matter how extreme the vocal lines is or how incredibly transitional or complex the drums are everything's memorable like everything it just makes you think about it when you leave the record and you just want to hear it again you just i've never gotten tired for it. i've had it for what we how long have we had the album for now Danny? Yeah, since it came out man we've been listening to it ever since so this album's coming around for about five years we have for five years and um, it just makes continual rotations in our CD player. I don't understand how this band is not getting the recognition it deserves. These guys are the juggernauts now, where people have been complaining that Dream Theater have lost their way since the, the the missing of Mike Portnoy, or they're waiting for that new bastion of hope to come for progressive metal. They've had it all this time. Mm. Why do they continuously ignore it? I don't know. I, look, to be fair, I blame a lot of these like metal publication magazines again, like for these guys not to be in a top hundred. It, it, it's really offensive to be a, to be a metalhead or to be a band that is this talented and this has much ability and so much power and whatever you want to call it and for them not to be recognized at any by any of these it's just it's just really disheartening 
It's know? almost like these bands want to hear this revolutionary style and look. And unfortunately, they just keep missing what a band needs to do something really good. And this band strives for what they go out for. And they achieve it not so much. Not only do they achieve it with really good sounds and stuff like that, but every area of every section of song is covered at brilliance it's been polished and repolished and polished again not only they're playing but the song structure the way they write i i got i can't understand how this isn't one of the most important albums of our generation and we all line up behind you name we all got excited by the latest metallica album when these guys have released killer albums since paradise lost this is their we're up to their third album and they're still writing winners and they're not getting they're not getting their own stadium uh, announcement. It's just yeah. weird. Uh, it's really hard. And you have like bands on our Iron Maiden who've come out and they're trying to be progressive and people are like automatically love them because oh, Iron Maiden's being progressive now. It's like, well, yeah, you can say that but you can't say that you love progressive when there's a clearly a really fantastic progressive band out there you guys are just ignoring just for what? Just because you don't... And we can concede oh. that earlier stuff from uh, Symphony X wasn't that good. Hell, even the band are self-aware enough that they know that the early albums weren't that good. These guys started hitting their strides right for V Mythology Suite, right? Mm. And then when they hit the album right after it, then they started to get a taste for what they were really on about, you know? Yeah. It's when they hit Paradise Lost when these guys hit full steam ahead and they were riding at the top of their level and then it just got better and better. On top of the progressive metal level, okay? Yeah. And then from there, they've just been dominating with record after record and we just want to see these guys get launched into the stratosphere because they deserve it. Oh, definitely. They, they definitely should be headlining more than they have been. I mean, they're, they're starting to creep up the bill these days. Their font size is slightly increasing. <laughs> they um. They definitely should be being. A, they definitely should be a bigger band. Than, I'm not just saying it's because I know I'm a fan, etc. But I'm saying it's purely as a person who appreciates quality talent and brilliant musicianship. These guys should definitely be higher. Yeah, and we understand like bands that we think are underrated. You know that we do, and I do have bands that I definitely think are underrated. But on top of that list right now is Symphony X, and they are playing to decent crowds. But they sure as hell should be playing to bigger ones. Definitely. But hey, we'll be part of that crowd come Wednesday in Sydney. Yeah, come on Wednesday in Sydney, which would be the 13th of October 2016. We will be at Sydney to see them play. Come say hello to us. We're going to be there in full spirit right at the front row. Danny will be wearing his Symphony X t-shirt. So please come and say hello to us. Oh, yeah, it'd be great. Catch up with our Sydney fans who like Symphony X. So I think we're kind of narrowing our fan base down a bit, Matt. So... But, you know, it would be good to meet some new people and just, like, listen to some hang out with some cool people who like some cool dudes. Yeah. So that's been our show for this week. I've had a hell of a lot of fun reviewing an album I absolutely love. Uh, it's been a bit tough lately with some of the new releases, but this is an album I keep returning to when I'm having those bad albums. And yeah. uh, I just can't wait for more of this band. But uh, some more reviews coming up in the next couple of weeks as well, Danny. Yeah, I guess we're all of those people with Symphony X. If you're in Melbourne, here in Melbourne tomorrow night and in Sydney on Wednesday night. But, yeah, we have um, a Legion. Yeah. A yeah, it's, it looks like Allegaeon. It's not. It's actually a Legion. The only way I know this is because I saw the ex-guitarist Chris Boderick actually say, yeah, no, I know it looks like Allegaeon, but it's a Legion. Now, we had a lovely fan from Twitter that actually asked us to review that. And it's called, the album's called Proponent of Sentence. Now, we're going to be reviewing that one next week. And you're going to, hopefully, what we're going to have to say about it. So, we're going to give it more of a listen to really get into it, though, eh, Danny? Yeah, definitely right. I mean, I've 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 been just getting back to Symphony X mode, so I haven't really been paying too much attention to it. I might apologise if I got a bit too pro Symphony X to this 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 week, but I I don't know, I shouldn't really apologise because I, I love them that much, and I really want you guys to really appreciate them. And don't listen to 
magazines because they just ugh. Yeah, listen don't. to Super Metal Brothers. We're all the family you guys need, right? That's it, man. Just like those corrupt mothers with like, they're fueling their drug addiction. Yes, right. They're telling their kids, "Oh yeah, dad's a complete bastard." But you know, no, we're, I'm all like that force mom. You will be a ballerina dancer. You will enjoy <laughs> it, and you will dance. But mama wanted to play golf. No, no, put those shoes on and go on your TV shows. Where's the who is where's the Oh, and then he moves. Spin, baby, spin. Yeah, yeah, you know what? We're, that's, you're reclaiming your metal shit. But until next week, guys, I have been Super Metal Brother Matt. And I'm Super Metal Brother Dan. We've been the Super Metal Brothers. Catch us at Symphony X Show this week. And if you don't, then we'll see you next week. Bye.